0: Hello, and welcome to On the Marie Curie Couch, the podcast that aims to break down taboos and start open, honest conversations about death and dying. I'm Jason Davidson. I'm a social worker by profession, and I've worked in palliative care, hospice care, and bereavement support services for more than a decade. Each episode will be speaking to a well-known guest to find out about how they feel about their own mortality and how their personal experience of bereavement has shaped the way they live their life. Today, I'm on the Marie Curie couch with Jackie Joseph. Jackie's a TV presenter, producer, and eco-friendly interior designer. Inspired by her painter, decorator father and seamstress mother, Jackie has a passion for beautiful things for the home and loves upcycling and crafting. You might have seen her present in shows such as Homes Under the Hammer, This Morning, Big Strong Boys, Morning Live, and Money for Nothing. Jackie has a grown up daughter called Bianca. Jackie Joseph, welcome to the Marie Curie Couch.
1: Oh, lovely to meet you, Jason. And always a pleasure to be part of Marie Curie and, you know, everything that you guys do. Just wonderful. But thank you for having me.
0: It's good to meet you as well and I think you know the premise of this podcast is essentially to encourage conversations around death and dying and um, can I start Jackie by asking if you could tell me about a significant bereavement that you've experienced in your life?
1: Well, um, my husband um, passed away um, on New Year's Day uh, 2018 10 10. Um, it's funny that you, you, you know, obviously you remember the times and everything, obviously. Um, but that was my significant, Jason. Yeah, very significant. Yeah.
0: Had he been ill for a long time or was this something that happened quite quickly?
1: Um, he was diagnosed with cancer in the end of April 2018, 2017, excuse me. We had got back from St. Lucia. Um, and he, he hadn't been feeling great And he, he couldn't really sort of he, he couldn't keep his food down um, But you know with guys He keep saying Go to the doctor Go to the doctor So he was diagnosed in 2017 April And everything happened really quickly And he started treatment in the May And yeah It's a kind of long story and complicated Because the chemo was fine Everything was fine But it was everything else in between That wasn't great But yeah, so it was literally eight months, and yeah.
0: At what point did he, and you all know that, he wasn't going to recover from that?
1: It was the September, September the 26th, um, because they were going to do the operation. It was going to be a long operation because it was cancer of the esophagus, and esophageal cancer, you know, it can be um, sort of treated, obviously, and they can do the operation because it hadn't gone to the stomach. Um, so it was just at the bottom of his esophagus So they were saying Obviously this nine hour operation They would do the front bit Open that bit out Sort out the stomach bit Turn him round Collapse the lung And then do it from the back also the sort of the side But when they had opened him up To start the first part They saw that the cancer had actually spread To his liver So they closed him back up and that was that. And the consultant said three or four months. That was it.
0: Only if you're okay to talk about this, can I ask what sort of conversations you and him were having or you were having as a family after that 26th of September?
1: Well, the funny thing is, I kind of buried my head in the sand because I was like, no, something else can be done. And there's more that, that can be done. This, is, this is, can't be just like that. Um, and then kept saying to me, stop burying your head in the sand, you know, this is it. But I just wasn't having it, Jason. I just couldn't. <laughs> Although, and then at the same time, you know, we were organizing things, you know, like you do, you know, the music that you want in the funeral and what he wanted to give to his brother and his sister and his nephews and Bianca and, you know, um... And we sorted out, you know, getting his pension out early. And we sort of did that. But at the same time, in my head, it was like, this isn't happening. It's just not happening. It's not. But um, I said, bloody well did. And he kept saying to me, just know that this is going to happen. And, yeah, I suppose I sort of accepted it begrudgingly. Begrudgingly, I, I had to, in the end, accept it. But you know even like sort of christmas 27th or something we went to my brother's pat he's not far from here and i had changed our car and so i said let's go to pat's and andy was quite weak then but let's go and he he did We got in the car and that was that was really nice and i think it was that day that i said this is not good this is not looking good maybe that was the day i kind of in my heart accepted Although, the funny thing is, when the guys and girls from Pembridge Hospice came round, there was one doctor, very Italian, Dr. Bernardo. And I uh, think was so funny with them. I'd be in the kitchen, I could hear them all laughing. And then Andy would ask him, so, how um, long have I really got? And then Dr. Bernardo would say, I don't know. It could be today, it could be tomorrow, it could be next week. And we'd say, you're no good, are you? (laughs) (laughs) But I could always hear them laughing, which for me brought me kind of joy in a way. But anyway, that was the last time that we sort of popped out, if you like. And that was the day I think I thought, yeah, this is not great. Whether I accepted it, probably not until the 1st of January, if you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. Jason. Mm -hmm. In my you know, deepest heart, deepest, deepest heart, I wasn't great at accepting it. Because you, you just think, no, because this is my guy that I've been with you know, for so long. No, this is not going to happen. Not to Andy. No. Even though you know he's being diagnosed with it, even though you know the consultant said this is it, even though you know he's in palliative care at home, it, it's just, I don't know.
0: You don't want it to be true.
1: No, that's it. I didn't want it to be true. I didn't want to accept it. But I had to, in the very end, I had to. It's tough. And and you kind of feel bad that you didn't want to accept it. But you also feel that there's this fight that you want to fight. But it's a fight that I couldn't win. I couldn't win it. You know?
0: It sounds like Andy and you... And others were open to what was actually happening as well at the same time, and actually having those conversations. So, doing lots of that planning, sorting out finances, doing the practical stuff while also trying to kind of manage emotions. And I just wonder now, kind of um, with this short time after, short time on, just four years, whether there was anything helpful with regards to your grief and your bereavement that you were able to have some of those conversations beforehand because what happens is we get lots of people who just can't have those conversations so they describe exactly what you've described about just not wanting it to be the truth but actually couldn't even go that step further to even talk about it.
1: Yeah it it was good because we just sat in the bedroom and this is where we did the sort of the practical things like you know, let's get your pension released early. Mm. Um, Just so that, because I don't just want it to be there. I want you to be able to say, this is what I want done with it. So we did that and he gave money to his brother. He knew his brother was going to get married. So money towards Simon's wedding, money for his sister Jane, money for his nephew, Joe, nephew, Sam, even Amelia and uh, Jacob, who are Simon's. Children as well, and Joe and Sam were Jane's children. Um, to be anchor. so he wanted us to get a car, and then he said, "Well, let's change our car and let's put deposit down and put as much as we can, so that all you're going to pay is two hundred quid a month rather than paying four hundred quid a month." And then obviously we went through music and you know decided things like that. Um, the other practical bits, obviously, I, we didn't discuss that. Oh, obviously we used to give birth to passport. Obviously, you've got to take, and think, you know, all the other bits that you have to do, but those things, sorting out what he wanted to give and sorting out what he wanted for his music, I thought was really good because it was his choice. Mm. And he was saying, because it was cremated, you know, um, that when the coffin was, you know, going to be going, mm. you know, he wanted, there were two tunes he loved, he loved John Holt, I'll Be There, and he loved The Doors. So it was ride it in the storm, you know, and it was you know that's what he wanted, and then he chose a whole list of tracks to play at you know his that week after the commission. So that I mean we had quite fun sort of you know going through that. And I was like, you teamed with that tune, <laughs> it was like yeah but I quite like it you know. So um, yeah, it was um, but but I, that that was that was nice. But we did sort out I suppose practical, but. Necessary things. And even then, Jason, I still, in my deepest heart, said it's not going to happen. It's that funny, isn't it? In the depths of my heart, although parts of my heart kind of knew after the 27th when we'd gone to Pat's. But yeah, then I remember, and then Pat came round, and I'm jumping around a bit, but Pat had come round, and I remember hearing them talking. I did hear them talking, and I heard, and he's saying to Pat, you know, um, it's it's going to happen. And Pat, my brother, had said, yeah, I know. And I heard him say it. Yeah, I know. i was You know, and then he just said to Pat, look after her. You know, um, just watch watch her for me. Watch Jax. And make sure she's all right. Sorry, God. Anyway, but he had, he, he just near it and... He was so good. He was so good. I don't know if I would be like that, but I'd just say he's the bravest guy I know. Brave. But not miserable brave with it. You know, not like oh feel, you know, I'm I'm going and you know, it's not fair. It was just wasn't like that. It just whereas I was, this isn't fair. And even when I rang Claire at Pembridge that morning, because the nurses would come round every day um, to the you know the last, and she the first thing she said, it's always the good ones. Yeah, it's the first thing she said. It was always the good ones, because he was great, and he was great. He's a great guy. Uh, yeah, but yeah, we did organise things, uh, practical stuff. Yeah, before
0: we went, we did. You mentioned um you mentioned the word choice there and his choices, but I was also thinking yeah about, I was also thinking about the word control, that he was able to control his ending as well, you know, on lots of levels. And so choosing what he wanted, yeah. but also still be himself in all yeah. of that as well. And that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Um,
1: but he was I suppose it's maybe his, his Yorkshire background, I don't know, but he was very, very much like that, that he didn't want people to feel sorry for him, but at the same time, I don't think he wanted to feel sorry for himself. But in other ways, I think he felt sorry for himself, but it was like, I've got to let it go because there's it's out of my control. That is out of my control, but what I can do is, because he was still working, like, days before because he, he was a headhunter but he was still doing emails and on the phone with people to organize them having interviews and whatever um which was bizarre but but then there was a point when he couldn't he was like i can't start like my writing i can't spell properly or i can't write properly and i was like well don't write it just say it um but he was still scribbling notes and things but yeah it was he had control of some things, but he let go of control of other things that he couldn't control. You know, it was, yeah. It's, it's so difficult to describe, Jason, because I suppose everyone's going to be different, you know, and it's just going to be different for different people. No two passing, I feel like, are the same. No two people's being there with the person when they pass away is the same. But one thing I did know is that he didn't want to go. I wouldn't have had it anyway, but that's my personal thing and his personal thing. Didn't want to go into the hospice. As nice as the hospice is, not um, in the hospice at all, because what they do is great. Um, he chose to be at home and I agreed with it as well. Just chose to be at home and, and I wouldn't have personally wanted him to be in the hospice. I prefer him to be at home, and then so that was a that was a decision that he made, and we stuck with. And then yeah, then the district nurses would come every day, you know, check up on him, and then the hospice people would come every two days. Claire, Doctor Bernardo, you know, get yeah, would just come, and and I think that was the right decision. And then he made his decision; he wants to be created. and then we would always say. It's who's left behind that suffers, not the person who's gone. It's who they leave behind that suffers the most. And he always said, I need to go before you because I wouldn't be able to cope. And he'd always say that, I wouldn't be good. And do you know what, when he did pass away, and you know, as the time went, and even to, to this day, I would still say to him, you were right, once again, you were right. I wouldn't want it the other way because he wouldn't be great, he wouldn't be good, he just wouldn't, um, so he was right, clever little sod. <laughs>
0: <laughs> can you can you tell me, Jackie, about your experience of grief after Andy died?
1: You know, Jason, it's the funny thing, it, it's, it's stupid things, it's like, so Jay, I stayed in the bed with Andy, because the nurse said, she said, he can stay here for as long as you like, just keep the windows a bit open. And so literally, um, my daughter's boyfriend drove to Mary. He drove to Radcliffe-on-Trent, picked up Mary, drove her back, drove her to London. And then um, and Joe came, and, um, but I stayed in the bed with Andy. And I. the, the chain of events happened. That I it was New Year's Day, and at New Year's Eve, I was here, and we'd always have New Year's Eve. We wouldn't really go out much, but we'd have New Year's Eve here. Watch, but Jules Holland or something. But he was in the bedroom, and I then started to sort of clean, and I just kept the bedroom door open, and then I had these little um, squishy stick things with sponge, and I put some on his lips. You know, a bit, a bit of prosecco or something on New Year's Eve it was like that. And and then the New Year's Day, I woke up and then I started more cleaning and kept the door open. And then I sat with him and I just said, if you can hear me, because he had his eyes shut, if you can hear me, squeeze my hands. Um, And and he did, he squeezed my hands and, and I just said to him, I kind of knew they had put a driver in like two days before. That would give him, you know, pump a bit of painkiller or something every so-and-so before hours, because he couldn't take it in. And then I said to him, look, whatever happens, what I'm going to do is I'm going to wash you. It's funny, isn't it? And I did. And so that was how it, and he did, he he, he, he slipped away, like I say, 10 past 10. And I was with him, I was sat next to him, just me and him. And... I then got the a basin, a flannel, and I washed him. Yeah, and then and then I called Claire, you know, from Pembroke. Told her the district nurse came round really quickly. She was here, and that's what she said. He can stay here. Obviously, you know what, what happens. You know the people have to come round and do the official time of death and what have you. And then by sort of twelve o'clock. One o'clock, Mary was here.
0: Was that a relative of Andy's?
1: Mary his mum.
0: His mum, okay.
1: Um, she was just not great, you know. I mean, I called her, obviously. first person I called her actually was Mary. And then I called Claire, hospice um, lady. And yeah, and I just felt just beyond. Uh, I, it was just beyond. And then you would look out the window and you just see people getting on with their lives like normal. I mean, I don't live on a busy road, but, you know, just seeing people maybe nearly say day walking their door or walking with their family, you know, and you'd be like, well, what are you doing? Don't you know what's happened? Why are you out here having a great time and laughing? No. And I felt like that for, I mean, ages. I mean, sometimes even now I just think, and it's horrible to say this, but there's some people I think, how come you're still here and Andy's not? Mm. Do, do you know what I mean? It's a, it's a very weird thing in your head that happens, this thing that happens. You know, why are people going about like nothing's happened? Mm. Why? What, what, don't you know? But they don't know.
0: When your life stopped or stood still.
1: Stops and the piece of your your soul, if you like, or your heart is gone now it's gone but yet you're carrying on like mm. nothing's happened but of course they mm. don't know you know come on but it's, it's only after as you think about that but you at the time when you see everyone bobbing about and like i said because it was new year's day obviously people were out people were maybe not at work and people were out with their families maybe family had come to stay with them and they were all out together ha, 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 ha. you know having a great time and so i yeah I just could i just couldn't get my head around it what you doing well of course people are not going to be walking around dressed in black and saying oh my goodness Andy just passed away don't you know of course they don't of course they don't know and I I think a lot of people I'm, I'm sure a lot of people who have lost a loved one will think the same every five minutes someone in the UK dies without the care and support they need it's time for change with your support we can help more people get the care they urgently need Visit Maricurie.org.uk forward slash daffodil to donate to Mary Curie's great daffodil appeal today.
0: We do hear that from people, you know, they will say that when they're walking down the street, yeah. that it's just it feels so that some some people will describe this kind of zombie-like state. Yes. Where it's like, how's the world continuing around me? and yeah that, that is a common experience that people, that people do have I just wondered whether I could ask um, sort of after that period of time after when Andy died um, what sort of things helped you with your grief I'm just thinking about people listening now and who might be grieving themselves and going through this situation I just wonder whether there's anything that helped you or helps you
1: you know what it is is um, for me personally after all the other practical things because you don't really have time there's, the, there's a moment and not even it's literally straight away when you have to deal with everything get the death certificate go to the town hall, register the death all those things you have to do that kind of takes up time but what it was for me is that what helped me is Andy's always here as far as I'm concerned so I talk-, talk to him Like he's here You know just say If there's questions If there's a conversation I will have that conversation with Andy And that's what really really helped Me um, A lot And um, And it still does to this day So I'll talk to him Like he's here So when I come in I'll say I'm back And It's, it's a weird thing But that's what helped me Obviously my family were amazing at that time um, to help me through it. But you have to kind of do it in your way, whatever is. I've got a faith, you know. I'm not. I don't. You know, go to church and go to mass every day or you know every Sunday. I don't. I do go to church, and I I sit on my own and by my Andy candles as I call them, and sit on my own, and I I'll do that maybe um, a couple of times a month. Um, and my faith has helped me, but what's also helped me is in my being, I feel Andy's still with me. And that has, that gives me strength. If I'm driving somewhere, um, I'll always, the passenger seat, you know, it's like Andy's there, that's okay. And and I just, it, it makes me feel better. And people might think I'm nuts, but it makes me feel better. And for anyone that is grieving, everyone's grief happens in a different way. And if yours is to be with friends and family, then that's great. But there's going to be that those moments when you're going to you are going to be on your own because friends and family may, won't be there with you twenty four seven. There's going to be a time when you're going to be at home on your own. You've got to dig deep within yourself, and it's tough. But I found it easy to say Andy's with me. So it was like someone, you know. And he's there. He's still there. And I can talk to him.
0: And I'm so pleased you've spoke about that because, um, you know, absolutely everybody's experience of grief is unique and it's unique to the relationship that they had with a person who's died. Yeah. But what you're describing, some people, you know, you saying, well, some people might think I'm mad. Um, and, you know, lots of people will think that when they do have conversations with the person who's died, they do want to carry on talking to them and say, is that OK? And it's like, yes, if that yes. brings you yeah. comfort. Yes. Then, and yeah. that works for you as you're describing. Then yes, yes, it's OK. and it, No one's judging that.
1: No. And and some people might think, and I sometimes, I think, oh, gosh. But it's it's quickly gone, that thought, because it makes me feel comforted. It makes me feel safe. You know, there's a point when you just want to feel safe um, in the knowledge that that person is with you. And if if that makes you feel great, like I'd be watching, we used to watch things like first dates, you know, things like that. And Gogglebox. Do you know what I mean? And just things like that. And every time I sit and watch it, I'll always say, oh yeah, look, it's double Box now. Oh, it's First Dates. Oh, we've got a new series of First Dates and... Do you know what I mean? And it's those little things, crazy as it sounds, but those little things, programs you used to watch together, you know, um, the music you might love, the music that brings back certain memories, the places you might go, you know, uh, th- those are great. And talking of places, I mean, we did everything together, you see. So we would go for coffees together, we'd go to cinemas together, we holiday together. Sometimes we work together, because I could help him. Do you know what I mean? And it's headhunting, and we would bounce. And people we saw, he said to me, bloody hell, you and Andy? Work together, do everything together, live together, live together. And it's just like, well, it's easy, because <laughs> it's me and Andy. So that's what is, the funny thing is, that's the other thing that changes as well, is that those things, you always do this thing together, holiday together, go for coffees together, go for lunch together, go for dinner together, go to, you to know, the cinema together. That's what changes big. The first time I went to the cinema, I went on my own and I've never been to cinema on my own in my life. And I know people do do that. But that's the other thing that changes. You can't do that. I don't go to place and just have a coffee on my own. I don't go and have lunch on my own. I don't go and have dinner on my own. I don't do that, but I went to the cinema on my own, um, to a local cinema, Little Lexi, up um, uh, Kendall Riseway, an independent cinema. I went to see... It was the first time in my life I'd been to cinema on my own. I went to see Queen and Slim, and I loved it. But I felt Andy was with me anyway, because I knew he would have liked that film. Um, but I went on my own, um, this sort of late afternoon. Um, so it's those things again that changes completely, especially if you're the, the person, you know, whether it's your mom or your dad or thing that you, someone that you did lots of things with. When you lose that, that everything changes. You can't do the same things again, but you might have to do it in a different way. That's all. So when I go on holiday now, I'll go with friends or I'll go with my daughter. I've just come back from Tenerife yesterday. Last night, um, yeah, five hour delay on the flight. Though. Oh. Anyway, but, um, but I went with a group of friends and friends and family are important. But like I say, they're not with you 24 seven. Remember, when you come back to your place, it's you, you have to find that comfort and strength. And that comfort and strength for me, I go back to it again, is as far as I'm concerned, Andy's still with me.
0: You know, I, I was just thinking that's a really important message, that thing of, um, you know, you will begin to do things again, but you will do them differently and you'll be um. having different experiences. Um, I just wonder, um, Jackie, if it's OK with you, if I could change tack in the question yeah. slightly and ask you whether you ever think about your own death.
1: Well, i got my music all sorted. I've got my tunes sorted.
0: Okay, so you have given it some thought. Oh,
1: gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've I've got that. Because um, we did it at the same time, me and Andy. Oh, uh, nice. We did it at the same time. I sorted my tunes. We did his tunes. I sorted my tunes. Um, so that bit I know. And I have also said, I would probably... See, I've, I've got a feeling my daughter Bianca will probably want me to be buried, but I have said if I die of a disease I want to be cremated you know um and yeah I, I probably would because I I also don't want Bianca or anyone to be going to I don't know if then they might think that they have to go to the graveside and make sure that there's flowers and make sure that there's things and da, 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 da. but I'm thinking about them not bothering <laughs> you know them I mean? I'm thinking yeah. about not bothering them because everyone leads busy lives um but yeah, I have thought about it, and I, t- you know, so I've got a file that's got, you know, all my sort of d- details of ISA and bank details, and you know, all of that. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, there's other things that, that um, someone will have to sort out, send back the passport, getting, you know, taking me off council tax, or there's so many other things to sort out anyway. But if you can then sort out, make sure that those papers are there, and someone. Knows You've done your will. I've done my will. And some people don't like to do a will. I know it might be a bit. I was always thinking that it's a bit morbid. As that means you, you know you're going to die. But actually, we're all going to die um, at some point. But to live on in another way, you know, in the heart of someone or, you know, whatever your belief is. But to have um, things in order as best you can, um, because it would help the person that's going to be looking after it as, as i go back to it again we maybe said it's the ones you leave behind that suffer the most because you're already gone to wherever the higher plane whatever you believe in wherever you think you're going to go but to a another place but it's the ones that left behind has to deal with it so as much as you can make sure that things are there like i said i've done my music i know the music that i want i make sure that um everything is easy in a one file. Okay, there's the things. That's this, that's that. Mm-hmm. As much as possible, then it makes it easier.
0: I think that thing about the will, what I say to people as well is, you know, it might not feel the most comfortable thing to do, but actually, you know, it's a few hours. Yeah. And then you pack it away and it's, yeah, done. it's done. Unless you ever need to go back to it in the future. But I think that's uh, um you know it's it's i think the, the the message that underlies all of that is um you know do as much preparation as you can and that involves yes having sometimes some uncomfortable conversations yeah. about death and dying and yeah. not everybody wants to talk about them i just wanted to ask jackie whether whether legacy was something that was important to you as in how you'd like to be remembered
1: i mean i i mean we're i've kind of taken a bit of andy's legacy because his Is for me, his legacy um, was. You know, he was so kind. He always had time for people, and I take that. And he's always that. Only do things that you 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 like to do. If you don't like to do it, just don't do it. It's just waste of time. I think for me, my legacy. I think people will, and I hope, will say, Jackie always gave time to people because I do, Jason, I do, <laughs> always gave time to people. You know, she'd always be that ear that you could talk to. She would always tell you the truth. You know, you could go to her and she'd be straight and just tell you whether you might, there might be a bit uncomfortable for you to hear it, but she'll tell you the truth. Um, and she was fun, you know, and that's hopefully, that's how, that's that would be my legacy. But certainly, like, you know, always got time um, for people. And my friends, family, people around, anyone that needs to know, you want to ask advice, go to Jackie. Trust me. Even, you know, my family, that's what they do. It's like, and I always keep saying to them, do you know what? When I'm gone, you're not going to really, what are you not going to do? What are you guys going to do when I'm gone? Cause it's like everything <laughs> leads back to Jackie. Ask Jackie. Still know. <laughs> she'll sort that out leave it with Jack she'll sort that out yeah because I do I'm like the Mrs Fix
0: It (laughs) just as I am just as we um, begin to to wrap up um, there's just one thing I wanted to ask and that was how has your experience been today of being on the Marie Curie couch
1: fabulous honestly and you know I know I'm probably I've been talking gobbledygook Um, But um, I just feel if if one person says, do you know what? That was really helpful. Do you know what? I'm going through that as well. Yeah, I'm a bit confused and I'm like, I'm, you know, feeling the same. If it's just one person, then I'm happy, Jason. I'm very happy because, you know, grief is a messed up thing. It's messed up because you don't know how to deal with it. And, you know, if you hear someone talking about their experience and it can help you and you think, okay, it's not just me then, then I'm happy. You know, my sister Bella, we lost, I say we, you see, cause inside we, she had uh, a firstborn. He would have been 12 now, Che, it was good his name was the name Che, but she had, she had him and took him home and on the third day he passed away and i never forget that and andy was like oh my god we were beside ourselves we just couldn't believe it um and that was our kind of our first big experience of like so close of grief and that was like Mm -hmm. it was tremendous loss and i always say that che is with andy do you -hmm. know what i mean because i say he would have been he would have been 12 now um uh, but so you know so whether you you've lost a, a child um a, a life partner a mum a dad i lost my uncle last night my dad i feel so gutted for because that was his like his best buddy and i was so glad i was able to spend time with Uncle Headley in, in st lucia in october sat on his veranda he wasn't well he had cancer. Um, but Dad, when he sent my message last night, I was, and I was, I'm just like, Dad, are you okay? And so, no matter who you lose, it's gonna be a blow. It's gonna be a blow. But you know, if this conversation and any conversation you know that people have can help, like I say, just one person, and you know what? That's great. That's great. You know, and and I hope. My gobbledygook (laughs) will help someone.
0: Well, it hasn't been gobbledygook at all. And Jackie Joseph, thank you so much for joining me on the Marie Curie couch. Thank you for being so open and honest and sharing some of yours and Andy's story.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Jason. It's been a real pleasure.
0: So that's all for this episode of On the Marie Curie Couch. We hope it's got you thinking about matters of life and death and perhaps starting those conversations with your own friends and family. Marie Curie's here to help. From planning ahead to coping with bereavement, you can talk through any concerns you have around the end of life with our support line team, which also includes specially trained nurses. Call us on 0800-090-2309 or search Marie Curie online. This podcast is produced and edited by Marie Curie with support from Ultimate Sound and Vision. The music featured is Time Lapse by Pan Oceanic. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do like and subscribe. Thanks for listening and until next time, Goodbye.